0: Well, I invite you to turn with me now in your Bibles to the book of Luke, and we are going to look at a smattering of verses throughout uh, the first couple of chapters of Luke and then also through other parts of Scripture. So uh, you may want to grab a Bible from the end of the Pew, if you don't have one uh, handy, we're going to kind of travel travel far and wide here, and hopefully you'll see a, a method to uh, to my madness as we go along. But we want to start in Luke uh, chapter 1, and we'll touch on verse 15, verse 35, verse 41, verse 67, and a couple of others. And, and and the reason we're doing this is that the last three weeks or so, on Sunday mornings, we have been going through a series that we call the, uh, the Christmas Prayers. Uh, Looking at prayers that were offered around the time of Christ coming into the world, one by Mary, another one by Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, and another one by uh, Simeon, uh, basically a stranger to the holy family, if you will, who who was there at the time of Jesus's birth or near it, and uh, just picked up the baby Jesus and had waited, apparently, for his entire life for that moment to declare that prayer and that praise. Uh, to the Lord Jesus and we looked at those three prayers and and one of the things that, that I talked about that I was hoping for for myself and, and for our church body was that by, by looking at Christmas through these prayers and, and maybe taking a step away from the shepherds and the mangers and the wise men, you know, we know that part of the story, most of us. But by looking at, at things through these prayers that we sort of have a, a fresh lens on things. And, and, I, and I hope that happened for you and helped to inform your prayer life the last month that you were able to draw close to the Lord uh, through prayer by seeing these folks who prayed around the time of Jesus. But but there was something that jumped out to me, and, and I decided somewhere midway through the month that we really needed a, a whole separate message for it, and I, and I thought today would be a good day for it. And I don't know if, if you saw it as we were going through those passages, but I didn't I didn't plan on it. You know, I planned the Christmas prayers part and said, OK, let's look at these three prayers. But I didn't didn't plan for this. And that is that the uh, the, the so-called shy person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, it comes out wide in the open. Uh, Sometimes that shy person of the Trinity seems to be kind of hiding around, especially throughout the the Old Testament appears here and and there, Uh, even in parts of the New Testament seems to be kind of quiet and and back in the in the background. And 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 yet, as we look at these verses, you'll see that the Holy Spirit is front and center. And I think there's some powerful things for us to take from that. Uh, At least one of those is that. The Holy Spirit is worthy of our worship. Uh, sometimes we, too, because the Holy Spirit is kind of shy. We kind of forget about Holy Spirit and don't, don't think about Holy Spirit and pray to Holy Spirit. It's, it's maybe not the focus of, of our spiritual life and even maybe a little bit forgotten part of things. So I, I want us to see that if, if, uh, if it's important to God for Holy Spirit to be front and center around this time of Christmas, then it's probably important for us to, to worship. So that's one of the things I hope that we'll do The uh, other thing is that we, uh, we sometimes uh, say too little or think too little about the Holy Spirit Other times we focus on things that the Holy Spirit does that are valuable and are, are certainly vital to our spiritual life But probably aren't quite as important as the Son of God coming into the world, right? So I thought maybe this would kind of balance our perspective on what the Holy Spirit's doing. And and I think it'll be helpful for us. So I'll just read these verses. You remain seated this week. I know we stand sometimes for the reading, but we're going to jump all over the place and it might help you to focus just to be be in your spot there. I'll take a look with me at at Luke chapter one and we'll start with verses 14 and 15. It says, and you will have joy and gladness speaking to Zechariah. And many will rejoice at his birth, talking about John the Baptist here, for he will be great before the Lord. He must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. Jump with me over to verse thirty five of the same chapter. Now the angel uh, talking to Mary, it says "And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy. The Son of God. Jump with me over to verse 41. Says Elizabeth. This is John the Baptist's mother. Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, her uh, cousin. And the baby leaped in her room. Elizabeth was filled with with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry. And it goes on to share what she said. Jump with me over to verse 67. This is Zechariah Now his lips have been loosed. His tongue was shut down because he didn't really listen and and wasn't ready to trust uh, what God said to him earlier in in Luke. And now now he's demonstrated faith. And and it says in verse 67 that that God is choosing to work through him now in this way to proclaim this great prayer. This great praise starts in verse 67. His father, Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit couple others jump to chapter two, verse twenty five. Simeon. Again, these all three of these folks that were praying. Verse twenty five. There was a man in Jerusalem. His name was Simeon. The man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. Verse twenty six. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. Verse twenty seven. And he came in the spirit. see it. See all this just just to complete the the picture. You don't need to turn there. But Matthew chapter one, verse 18, the um, account Matthew of, of Christ coming into the world says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Let's pray again together. Father, we... uh, Pray now, specifically during this time, looking at your word, that you would magnify in our hearts and minds, in our sight, in our souls, the working of you, Holy Spirit. And that through that, we would understand more of your work in our lives today and how you seek to minister to us and how we can worship you. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Well, we uh, we went on a little special mission. Myself and the four Peters boys, my sons, on Christmas Eve after we took in the Krispy Kreme donuts. We enjoyed all that. Thank you all for coming out and joining us for the Krispy Kreme donuts. Always interesting to see the 830 arrivals at the Krispy Kreme donuts and then the 930 arrivals. You kind of get a picture of people, you know, people's lives there. Who's up and at them at 830 and waiting? No, they're already starving for a donut and who's coming in at 930 and not quite awake and hungry yet for a donut. So that, that was good to see. But we 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 took off and we do a little mission. And after that, we swing by target to get some gifts for one special person in our family for, for, for Mama. And, and then this year we had to make another stop to get gifts for uh, another special person in the Peter's family. Gray, the guinea pig, Gray the guinea pig. And uh, the boys kind of had a program. We went through our usual thing, where they each one they had each had a little amount, ten, fifteen dollars that they wanted to spend on this or that. And and I kind of I kind of eventually persuaded them that they, they had the Ritz Carlton of of guinea pig cages, four levels of dream home mansion, thirty inches by thirty inches by I don't know twenty in, inches and and and. And their little tiny cage, that poor creature, was trapped in for the last number of months. Just, you know, didn't look like anything compared to this. So I pointed the boys over. It was on sale, discount, all the way down. So their, their money combined, they could get the, the super-duper cage. So we, we, we got it. We took it home. And we couldn't wait till Christmas Day to put this together for a little gray, the guinea pig. And so we got it out, put it together. All these level gray had never seen such extravagance. I mean, the little hay in the bottom even looked better, you know, just, just, just in there. For a little while, and, uh, and and so we had that that all together and put all the levels and, and guess what Gray did. The boys were like, "Okay, Gray, get out there." Four levels of joy, you know, platforms leading from one to another. New bowls here, new water bottle here. You know what Gray did? Gray shyly, quietly, hunkered down over in the corner. I'm not sure Gray moved out of. The back corner of the cage on the bottom level until the entire next day, Christmas afternoon, we finally saw Gray moving around level one, willing to branch out a little bit, shy, quiet, kind of in the background. And I thought about it with the way that we can sometimes think about the Holy Spirit. In that uh, God, the Holy Spirit is, is a person of God, a triune God, that we don't always talk that much about. Or if we talk about, we only talk about in certain segments of our spiritual life. And the verses that we read here, you all saw it. It's not something I'm making up, right? I mean, it was right there, front and center. It's amazing how at this time of the incarnation, the Holy Spirit's all of a sudden just right out there in the open, I'm doing these things. These people are being empowered to pray through my working. They're being filled. Even the Lord Jesus. For him to come and be fully God, fully man. For Mary to conceive is happening by the working of the Holy Spirit. And so I wanted us to think about that today. and, And just with this idea in mind. That we'd be better equipped to worship the triune God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Because we see more of what. Holy Spirit's doing at the time of the Incarnation. That's my hope for us today. And, uh, and in addition to that, perhaps to get a better picture, too, of how the Holy Spirit can work in your life and mine to today as well. Couple of things that we need to do is, is, is first off, probably get a little bit of a picture from a few different passages in Scripture of what the broad scope of the Holy Spirit's action is. And then we'll come back to these Christmas verses that we just looked at. So, you know, get, get ready. Get your fingers warmed up. Let's take a look at John chapter 14. And then we're going to look at John 16. And I'm just going to read, you know, some. Some snippets from these places uh, as I can. A couple of these will be longer passages. But uh, track with me. Read read along with me silently as I read these. And and, and think about uh, what it is we're invited to believe about the Holy Spirit. And what a privilege it is the things that the Holy Spirit does for us. Verse 15 of John 14 says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another Helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So he's with us. He's in us. He's a helper to us. Verse 25. These things I've spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, he will teach you all the all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. How do we receive that comfort, that peace? Through the working of the Holy Spirit. How do we walk in his commandments? If you love me, you'll keep my commandments through the work of the Holy Spirit. Jump over to chapter 16 of John Take a look at uh, starting in verse uh, four of that passage. Midway through the verse, it says, I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I'm going to him who sent me and none of you asked me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. He's just saying, I'm I'm, I'm headed out. I'm headed back to my heavenly dwelling. And and he knows they're sad about that. Well, what, what is to be done? Um, Jesus has come into the world. We've got a little bit of that sadness post-Christmas, right? Christmas has come and it's gone. And we're a little sad of the experience. Imagine these folks. Jesus had come in and now he's headed off to go back to his father. And, and listen to these verses, starting in verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you when he comes. He'll convict the world concerning sin And righteousness and judgment concerning sin, because they did not believe in me concerning righteousness, because I go to the father and you will see me no longer concerning judgment. Because the ruler of this world is judged. We could preach a whole sermon just on on that verse. But Jesus is saying, hey, he's he's here. He brings conviction. So we understand what sin is and and our need for Christ's righteousness. He convicts us of righteousness because Jesus was this model that showed them the perfect life. And now he's he's gone. And then he's uh, he's he's bringing also a a message of of judgment. Look with me. Uh, as well at Romans chapter eight, and as you turn there, let me let me say this. So we we see the Holy Spirit working in these ways, and then as we move, I'm trying to move kind of chronologically through the working of of Christ and the spreading of the church in the New Testament. We see in Acts two. Don't turn there; just keep turning to Romans eight. But Acts two, we see that that the Holy Spirit comes at this time of Pentecost, and you you maybe remember what was going on then. The 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 worshippers of God. Uh, Old Testament worshipers of God from from all different nations and countries. They were of the Hebrew people, but they lived in different places and spoke different languages. They're all gathered together. And it's this time of Pentecost. And all of a sudden, Holy Spirit comes and people can hear one another. They're speaking in a message where they can understand each other, even though they don't speak the same language. And it's, it's like this reversal of the Tower of Babel from the Old Testament, where the languages were spread and the people were humbled by that. Now now they're able to speak, and it's, it's a message that the, the gospel is going forth to the nations. God's going to build his church among all peoples. And, and the book of Acts is sometimes called the Acts of the Apostles, but many have called it the Acts of the Holy Spirit. It was really the Holy Spirit spreading the church And we see that happening in our own time today. Romans chapter eight. uh, You've probably got there by now. Let me get there. Romans chapter eight, starting in verse one. Look, look again at at how so we understand some of what the Holy Spirit's done. Look at how our life can be uh, linked up and connected with the Holy Spirit and how central that is to our salvation. It says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Great, great news. Hey, how does that work? How is it applied to us? How do we receive that blessing of knowing that we're righteous in God's sight? We don't stand condemned for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Just saying there's a there's a pathway that we can go through in our lives. That's of the law of sin and death. That's where we try to be obedient in our own strength and try to obey whatever commandments we have in our mind. And then there's then there's the path of freedom. It's the path of Seeking to obey God by his power and by his strength goes on. It says, for God has has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk according, not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit and jump on uh, down to verse nine. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead, he's saying all of us really are good as dead. You know, we're we're headed that way. We're all headed to the to the grave at some point. The spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. Through the spirit who dwells in you. Jesus comes into this world. The incarnation is him taking on human flesh. He's attaching. You can look at it. He's affixing himself to us, to our humanity. And that train that is going to going to take off. The the train cars are leaking up. And now Jesus is headed off into into his heavenly existence. And we get to ride on with. We're going to ride on with that train through the spirits working. Listen to the last part of this. A couple more verses. So then, brothers. We are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received a spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. What a privilege. That through Jesus coming, the Son of God, then we can be numbered among God's children. We can be adopted into His family and know Him as Father. So you're seeing some of these uh, benefits. Uh, You know, 1 Corinthians 12, we won't turn there, talks about the gifts of the Spirit that we have. That each one of us has something that God has given us and maybe multiple abilities, capabilities that God wants us to use within the body of Christ to serve and to minister First, John reminds us to test the spirits, that there's there is true spirit and there is false spirit. We need to be discerning. Ephesians chapter four, verse 30 says, hey, we ought to be careful not to grieve the Holy Spirit. It's always interesting that that part of Scripture is talking about unity in the body of Christ and and what we say and kind of how our words can be divisive. It's interesting right there. It says specifically don't don't grieve the Holy Spirit by that sort of division. And then lastly, one last point. Verse in our survey of scripture, you don't need to turn there, but this little tiny book called Jude right before Revelation, right at the end of that one page, you know, one chapter book of the Bible. It reminds us that we should pray in the Holy Spirit. I thought that was interesting since we focused this last month on these Christmas prayers and having our prayer life informed by what the scriptures say that that we're encouraged to pray in the Holy Spirit. He's the one that allows us to seek the Lord in prayer. So let's talk uh, for a moment then back about these verses. So you've got a broad context and hopefully already some things that we can apply to our lives about why we ought to worship Holy Spirit and how Holy Spirit is at work in each one of us. Jump back with me uh, to the book of Luke, uh, back to Luke chapter one, uh, verse 15. Touch on just a couple of things. Interesting to me that this verse 14 and 15 that we read is about the Holy Spirit coming. And the Holy Spirit's coming there. Not, not for Jesus yet. We're going to see that in just a moment. The Holy Spirit's coming just for the guy whose job it is to announce that Jesus is coming. That says something, doesn't it? If, if this one who's coming, John the Baptist, whose main goal is going to be to kind of announce and introduce the kingdom of God and then introduce Jesus' role in that. And, and Holy Spirit is coming for that purpose. It tells us something magnificent about about the Holy Spirit. You know, imagine if uh, our president, Barack Obama, was he, he's invested with great uh, power, great authority by our country and by us electing him as president and so forth. He, he's invested with that. Imagine if he stood up and introduced somebody else. You would say, wow, if he's. There to introduce this guy. Who's this guy? Tell me about this one. I'd like to hear about this one. There's even greater. If the president was introducing that person, this is kind of the picture we have. And it just, again, makes me think about how wonderful Christ is that the Holy Spirit comes to work in the life of this guy, John the Baptist, who's going to introduce Jesus. That's his main job. What a beautiful working. Second thing we see here, if you look at verse thirty five again of Luke chapter one, it says the angel answered her. Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. Two big things that are there. It says in the verse before, how will this be since I am a virgin? Number one, this stuff is miraculous. Okay, and we say, man, I just I don't quite get Christmas. I don't. I'm not sure all of what I believe about it It doesn't fit into my little logical grid. That's okay. That's the way it's supposed to be. Isn't it good that there are things that don't fit within our reason and understanding? That's a blessing. That's a benefit. And and Jesus is able to come and, and Mary is able to conceive by the working of the Holy Spirit. It tells us here that she was a virgin. She it wasn't that it empowered the normal procedure of conception through husband and wife and a married relationship. It wasn't that it was the Holy Spirit came and had to come because why? Because our human condition is fallen. We're broken, not just in the things that we do or say we're broken in that we're born with something uh, corrupted about us. And that's why we need Jesus. And that's why Holy Spirit had to come. And uh, for Jesus to to be conceived, and that's the first thing we see there. The second thing is even more interesting to me. This word, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Isn't that an interesting word? It's kind of one of those words that you say, why? You know, there's maybe a seem like there'd be a better word for them to put in the Bible for that, but they're they're, they're using that word because it specifically ties back to things. That God did all throughout the Bible. It's it's a little bit like let me let me try to help you, especially you guys here. You know, uh, the the ladies are generally a little bit better than us as we're coming into Christmas time and and, and maybe throughout the fall. And, and maybe, guys, you mentioned something you'd like to to get. Yeah, I'd love to have a new drill. Yeah, I need, you know, something new for my car or I need, you know, this sort of upgrade for my computer or whatever. And you know what what the ladies do, they. They grab hold of that, and on Christmas morning, you're, you're probably getting that thing that you mentioned because they're listening, they're attuned to that little word. Most of us guys, and there's a few of you out there that are pretty good and make the rest of us look bad, but we're like, uh, December 24th, uh, did she say anything? Did I hear anything? Do I know what I'm, you know, this is a little bit like, like that. You've got to listen to the word and, and see how important it is. This word overshadow is one we should pay attention to. Because if you look back at the beginning of the Bible, the first page of your Bible, we won't turn there today. But if you were to look there, it says that the the spirit hovered over the waters of the deep. The spirit overshadows the waters of the deep. It says there, Exodus 13, the people are wandering in the wilderness and it says that God overshadows them. Remember that uh, cloud and that pillar of fire It's overshadowing the people of God. When the tabernacle comes together and they have some sort of rudimentary place of worship, it says that the Spirit of God overshadows that. And then Ezekiel, in chapter 10 of the book of Ezekiel in the Old Testament, it describes the temple of the Old Testament people. And guess what the Spirit is doing at the temple? Overshadowing it. So this is not a mistake that this word is used here. The picture for us should should elevate our recognition of God, should tie in the things that Jesus is doing all the way back to the Old Testament, that that this overshadowing presence of the Holy Spirit is continuing. And Jesus, we know, is later going to say that I am the temple. I'm the place that you should focus and dwell your worship upon. And then let me. Uh, Conclude uh, this in this way Uh, Turn over just a couple pages with me To uh, Luke chapter 3 Luke chapter 3 Verse 21 and 22 Okay, so we're we're going, you know Crack free a little bit of the the specific time around Jesus' birth And I want us to see what the Holy Spirit is continuing to do Chapter three, verse twenty one and twenty two. Now, when all the people were baptized and when Jesus had also been baptized, this is John the Baptist. Everybody's gathering around being baptized. And Jesus was baptized and was praying. The heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, you are my beloved son with you. I am well pleased. Look at chapter four, verse one. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit out into the wilderness for 40 days. Okay, track with me on this. Jesus is comes into the world with great manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Now, what is he doing? He's going out and he's doing the things that only he can do on our behalf for fallen people like you and me who need desperately righteousness credited to us from some outside source. Jesus is going and being baptized and the father's coming down and saying to him what he can now say to us only through Jesus you're my son i'm well pleased with you i love you deeply and then Jesus goes out and that same spirit sends him where out into the wilderness do you remember what he did in the wilderness that word's important too the old testament people wandered in the wilderness and they complained about bread and they sought their own power and they worshiped false gods. You know what Jesus does when he's in the wilderness and Satan tempts him with all three of those things. He says, no, I'm not going to go that path. I'm going to stay committed to the Lord. He does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. He fulfills for us that righteous calling. And it is a beautiful, beautiful picture. We. We. Uh, we went to like a community uh, fair gathering not uh, too long ago, and they had one of these folks there. Maybe, maybe you've been before. They're a, a portrait. Maybe it's a portrait artist. This was kind of the I think they called it the butt picture. It's like the rear, you know, showing you from behind your, your family. But it, it's, it's a sketch. And, and I find these guys fascinating because if you gave me days, if you gave me weeks with my limited artistic sk- you know, skill, and I could sit there and, and stare at your face and do the best job that I could to, to uh, write something out and, and put a picture together of you. It, it would probably not be something I'd want to hand to you. Right. It just wouldn't get there. This guy sits down and there's a line of 50 families long coming through and in five minutes he's able to. You know, he, he kind of appears there on the scene, comes to this fair and he's able to do this magnificent drawing, this wonderful drawing that really captures that family or that person. And I thought about it with the Holy Spirit kind of coming on the scene, coming out of the, the background, out of the shyness and showing himself and doing this marvelous artwork that he does, doing this marvelous thing that he does of uh, of enabling those who prayed around the time of Jesus Of uh, empowering the work that uh, that Jesus is going to do. And uh, even in the midst of that, of being the the source and the power behind Jesus coming fully God, fully man, to be our redeemer and rescuer. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we uh, thank you that uh, you are a marvelous artist and that you work uh, wonderful things of beauty. We saw that you uh, bring us comfort, that you are a helper, that you enable us to uh, have peace in this life when we're so often disturbed. You enable us to uh, follow the things that we're called to as believers by your power when we turn to you. You uh, are the source of us being able to be adopted into the family of God. You are the one who uh, is at work in all of these ways. And even more than that, Holy Spirit, we thank you that we can worship you because of how you worked uh, specifically at the time of Christ coming into the world. Doing this powerful thing that is the hope for all the world and is the hope for each one of us. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen.